Hey everyone, it's Michelle and Anakin, and this is Spooky Shit. So this week we're going to be sharing some <laughs> scary stories. Uh, I didn't know a good way to say it because we're going to name the episode Scary Shit, so I can just say it. Oh no, this week we're going to talk about some scary shit. That's a good way. I'm killing it. But uh, yeah, so Anakin... First of all, Anakin. Hello, Anakin. Hi. How you feeling about that name? It's, it's a little weird. Is it a little weird? It feels like I'm role playing. <laughs> like I'm well, in like a when, LARPing scenario. When you put it like that, it's even more weird. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm trying to think of anything that they say directly to Anakin. But I don't know. I'm blanking on any line right now that I could say. I'm sure someone out there knows of one. But it goes with a Star Wars shirt. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, I got the shirt for when we went to Disney World. I wore oh, it. Oh, cool. When we went to the Star Wars area. So. Sick. But yeah, I mean, it's not bad, but um, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, okay, while well, you decide on how you feel about it. And by the way, we are not skipping over our little saying what we're talking about this week. It's just stories that we can't really introduce them. Oh, true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what's been going on in your life? I know you have some exciting news. Oh, super exciting. Um, so I got furloughed. <laughs> 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 so I know a lot of there's actually a lot of people don't actually know the difference between like getting laid off and being furloughed mm -hmm. like i had to explain it to like alaris because she kept getting confused alaris she got, got laid off right she got laid off and i got Ouch. furloughed Damn. so basically for those of you who don't know i know michelle knows <laughs> <laughs> been furloughed then got laid off <laughs> i got both <laughs> yeah but basically when you're furloughed you're technically still an employee but they just you keep there's basically no work like you can't go in and like work so yeah. they don't pay you for your it's hours, just like you're basically. on hold and unpaid basically yeah. but i found out that i can actually use my pto the whole time i'm furloughed oh that's nice so i'm gonna do that but i don't i only have enough hours for two weeks so just one more paycheck yikes um, are you going to wait out the furlough going on employment you gonna apply for new jobs I don't know. Or undecided. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's undecided. <laughs> I was thinking of doing barber school. <gasps> I think I am, but I'm debating on if I'm going to do morning school or night school. Ooh, now you have the option. Yeah. Look at so you. I was thinking if I do morning, then I'll get whatever job. But then mm -hmm. I'm like thinking about if they do call me back, like, how would that work? So then I'm thinking about doing night school and doing whatever job, and then in case they do call me. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Yeah, that sounds like a not fun decision to be making. Yeah, it's say. definitely not. And it's just, I'm not like super stressed because I know, like, once I do a play, like, I'm not, I'll literally work anywhere, so I'm not tripping. <laughs> about like finding a job and they're hiring literally almost anywhere right now yeah. so i'm not like stressed that i won't find a job just like i don't know 
that it won't be a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) I did my days furloughed and you already don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) No, for real. I was like, I literally woke up today and I thought it was Friday. And I was like, oh, this really threw me off. I thought it was Wednesday. I was talking about doing stuff on Friday earlier, not realizing that that's tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I think tomorrow we're going to take Dante to the dog beach. Is he happy that you guys are not working? Um, I'm sure he is, but he's annoying as fuck. <gasps> That's so fucked up. That's your child. I know. It's just because it's <laughs> he's, he freaking like literally gets mad if we don't give him attention. Oh, me too. Like he'll, li- <laughs> I literally have a video. I don't know, if, but like he literally like barked at me. What? <gasps> he just wants attention. But yeah, he'll he'll literally just whine or like like not bark at me, but kind of be like, like a light. You to like pet him or something. He's like pet me, and I'm like bro. And I it's because usually, like when I get home, like I do pet him a lot or just like. Mm -hmm. But since I'm home all the time, I don't want to be petting him all the time. But he like expects it, and so he's been annoying. But I still love him. (laughs) Well, I hope you still love him. But yeah, that's what's going on. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. I guess it's what's kind of stressing me out too is we have some stuff planned. Oh, like what? Like, I think it's around Halloween time. I I think it's a few days before. We have, we're going to LA for the Nightmare Before Christmas, the live show. Oh, I didn't even hear about that. That sounds yeah, cool. they they basically play the movie on a big ass projector, and Aww. they have like the live performances with the actors. Oh, that's sick. Um, but I think this year, I don't know why, but the actress for Sally, mm-hmm. or the singer, um, it's actually gonna be played by Billy, Billy Eilish. Wait, that's so random, right? <laughs> I don't know why, but I know the tickets sold out like right after they announced that. But you were able to get it. Yeah, we we got them super hey. early because M- Michelle, Mickey, yeah, my friend like told us because we but we had talked about going in the past because they do it like every year, mm-hmm. and then she finally was like, she bought us our tickets and then we paid her back. Nice, that was cool. Yeah, I have that and it's pretty far, so I don't know if we're like gonna stay over there or what. Mm-hmm. But then also. Around my birthday and Thanksgiving, or well, for Thanksgiving, we're going oh. to Disneyland. Yeah, with your dad's family, right? Yeah, with my dad's family, and like, so we're obviously going to stay up there. So I know that's coming up too, and that we already <laughs> bought our tickets and everything, but like hotel and stuff and food. So I'm Shit, a little like, yeah, I'm a little stressed about that because I don't want to be like stressed on the trip. You know what I mean? Like, I want to yeah. be able to spend money. You could always like do um, door dashing or something just for a little bit to get a little bit of extra money. I can't. You can't? Mm-mm. Why? Because the insurance for my car is under my mom's name. Oh, and you have to have your own. Yeah, you have to have it in your own name. I know. Yes. I, I also would have. Yeah, you already looked into it, it sounds yeah. like. <laughs> I mean, I did back in my Target days. Oh. I was like... <laughs> It was when we lived with Jesus and Leah, and we were just kind of struggling. Yeah. 
And so I was like looking to get another job and I was like DoorDash and but yeah, DoorDash they was like, me. no. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> it has to be in your name. I'm like, fuck. Oh, that's unfortunate. I didn't but know it's, that. It's all in her name because, you know, it's cheaper. Yeah. I mean, at least you have your mom's, you're under your mom's insurance. <laughs> yeah. That's something. But yeah, or, or Alaris is thinking of doing that, but because she's going back to school, actually. She's going back to school? Yeah, she Whoa. just applied to Pima. Okay. And, and she's going to study to be an MA, medical assistant. Oh, that's exciting. So she's going to do that. She said it's only going to take it like nine months, too. So That is insanely fast. Yeah. But after that, she's going to like try to get certified and then just kind of keep going to get like that into like the higher paid titles. That's awesome. I'm not sure like the levels but i know it's like ma's the lowest and then it goes like lvn and then they like add a letter to it or something and then it's like rn and doctor you know what i mean i was like yeah i was trying to think of some <laughs> but i don't know much about the medical field i was like is this cna a thing yeah okay that's a nurse thing assistant. got him that is a thing. <laughs> i don't know what what um where it falls on yeah, that where it falls <laughs> i mean i just know a little bit because my mom she's an ma and she's always okay. talking about how she's like thinks about going back to school to be an LVN because they get paid more and they do like basically the same stuff. Her and Alaris could go back to school together, right? So, um, <laughs> but no, my mom's actually gonna go to cosmetology school. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Look she's at all kinda, you guys like changing your careers now. Right? That's sick. I mean, for the longest time, my mom was, like, pushing it off because she was like, no, I'm too old. And I was like, mom, really? like In what world? Um, but, yeah, she's just kind of over the medical field and, like, dealing with all that. And she was yeah. like, she's always wanted to, like, do hair and stuff, like, Aww. cosmetology stuff. And so she finally just said, like, fuck it. Like, I'd rather do something that I'd, like, like to do than stuck here. Exactly. That's exciting. Yeah, so we 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 even talked about like having like our own little shop, like where I could do cut <gasps> hair, and then she would do like hair Styling too, and like stuff. makeup and stuff like that. Yeah, and then Alaris, we told her she could do like nails because she she really <laughs> likes nails. Yeah, I was like, um, she'll be the first aid there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so sick. But yeah, I guess I think I will go to barber school. I'll you totally nice should. Thing. I'll try now to find out. Running your family all of a sudden, right? <laughs> but yeah, actually, my mom has an appointment with Bella's Academy tomorrow, and she was oh. telling me I should go with her. Do it. I should. Do it, Anakin. <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll see. Stay okay. tuned. And then but, you uh, can uh, shave my head for me, half my head, not all of it. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I could do that now. I'm yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> just fucking go to town before Sheree's wedding. She wouldn't care, right? <laughs> I think she would. Yeah, she won't shave half of it until after she gets her wedding pictures. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Is that why you haven't dyed your hair? Uh I'm she's gonna go dye it blonde tomorrow. <laughs> I've been washing it every day so the orange fades out faster. Uh-huh. And uh yeah, she's gonna bleach it tomorrow actually, and Leah's gonna practice putting makeup on me. So a fun thing about weddings is I found out that nobody likes how I actually look on my own. So I have to wear makeup, be blonde, do all this shit. I'm like, 
damn, that's kind of fucking rude, everyone. But okay, like like it that. really do. They just they just want everything to be picture perfect, you know. Yeah, and I'm pretty fucking ugly. <laughs> You're not ugly. <laughs> no, I know I'm really cute. That's why I'm like I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. I mean, the blonde part I don't really care about too much because part of keeping your hair colorful is taking like colder showers and i'm not gonna take in cold showers like i just take like warm ish and call that cold and during winter especially like i take hot showers so i'm like whatever i could be blown for winter because i'm too fucking lazy to maintain the color anyway <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yeah but yeah how are you besides <laughs> besides going blonde yeah I mean, i'm like basically blonde. fucking blonde anyway so it's not even dramatic <laughs> um Good. We went on a vacation. A little mini vacation, I'd say. So we drove up to NorCal, like near San Francisco, kind of like 30 minutes away to go visit Robert's sister and brother-in-law because they bought a house recently. Their house is so sick. And yeah, we hung out with them. We went to the Oakland Zoo. We saw some wolves. Wolves are kind of fucking scary in real life. Oh, we saw some bison. We saw baby bison. They're so cute. Uh-huh. They might have been buffalo. I don't know animal names. And uh, <laughs> and then I had a lot of good vegan food. I spent $80 at one vegan burger place somehow. I don't know how that added up so quickly. Yeah. I was not doing the math. And they said the price. And I kind of felt too embarrassed to be like, what? So I was like, okay. I was not okay with it, though. It was a lie. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. It was a lot. Because the burgers were like fucking $18 each. Oh, damn. I know. Vegan burger places are crazy because it's just like you go to In-N-Out and get a double-double for $5. But if you if it's vegan meat and cheese, then suddenly it's like $18. I'm like, that's crazy. so unnecessary. Oh, was it good, though? It was good, but it wasn't the best. Like, ours was are better at home. $18 worth no, it. wasn't. I feel bad because... They had mozzarella sticks, though. The mozzarella sticks were so dank. And their milkshake was dank because it was uh, Captain Berry Crunch, you know, like the cereal. Mm. It tastes mm-hmm. just like the cereal. The burger's cool. just okay, though. So maybe I just... I think that I accidentally got this spread on it that I didn't want. So that probably mm. tainted it. But we went yeah. to a vegan barbecue place, and it was the best fucking barbecue I've ever had. I mean, I've only had a vegan barbecue twice, but it was so good. <laughs> I got <Yeah>. fake ribs. <laughs> That's cool. Sounds fun. Yeah. Oh, and then on the way back, we went to Monterey Bay Aquarium, which is the best aquarium ever until I go to the one in Japan that has the whale shark. I'm sure that will one-up it. But for now, it's the best aquarium ever. (laughs) Uh, If anyone likes sea otters, fun fact, you can go on their website and they have a live stream of the sea otters at all times. So I went and looked last night and it was just floating on the top of the water on its back with its little paws up and it's so cute. Dude, otters are actually really cute. They're so cute. And we like watched a little video on them and they were talking about how they're predators and stuff. And then it was just them like spinning in the water being all cute. And I'm like, how are they a predator? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, after that, we like drove home. So home was like 400 miles or something or maybe 500 miles because now that we have Disney passes, we're like, hey, why not? And we went to Disneyland for two hours on our way home. That's funny. That's cool. Yeah, we're going to Disneyland on Monday. <laughs> this was a last minute thing. We're like, what if it was like available and we can go? Because, you know, well, 
you don't know. No one would know this randomly <laughs> if you don't live in Southern California and like Disneyland. But you have to like do reservations beforehand and like they're all booked out around Halloween, of course. Everyone wants to go. So the day that we were going to go, that we ended up going, was like booked out forever. And then we randomly refreshed it the night before and I guess someone canceled and we were able to get it. Damn. That's cool. Yeah. It was sick. It was my first time seeing it during Halloween and I love it. Yeah, it's sick. But uh, yeah, I think that's probably all that's been happening. If you're ready to start the stories or do you have anything else cool. going on? Mm. Oh, this is it. I'm actually in Leah and Jesus's room. Yes, where you sleep nightly. No. <laughs> we just, <laughs> we just uh, came to watch uh, Shadow, their little doggy. Because <laughs> um, they went to Universal Studios Horror Nights. I've still never been to that one. Really? Yeah, it seems scary. It is. So yeah. I've heard. I've never gone either. <laughs> I've always talked about it for years, but I'm honestly scared to go. Yeah, I've done the Magic Mountain one, and that one was a little too scary for me. More about Disney, where it's like cute Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm like down to go, but like at the same time, I'm scared. They yeah. they told us we told them that we got like furloughed and laid off and they were like come with us and we're like bro like I literally just got <laughs> furloughed and you want I me know. to spend money to go to Universal yeah like when I was telling you to get Disney passes yeah I told you Robert too. and he was like they're not making any money and I was like I know and then I followed it up with well I guess don't be irresponsible like us <laughs> <laughs> I mean if we were getting extra money like you guys were i probably would but yeah i mean <laughs> let's make it clear for everyone i'm not making enough to pay bills i'm gonna be <laughs> dipping into my savings but uh it's fine <laughs> but yeah that's why i was like mm, we're gonna have to hold off yeah because, i mean technically we had enough money to like the down payment and everything mm -hmm. but we also had to buy our tickets for when we we're going oh. on thanksgiving yeah, and you said that you couldn't use the pass for that, huh? It's already sold yeah. out? That sucks. Yeah, like, or the reservation dates, like, aren't available for any of the passes that we wanted to go. Yeah, I was looking, and a lot of around Thanksgiving's already taken. Our anniversary happens to fall on Thanksgiving this year. So I was like, oh, okay. sick if we could go to Disney. I mean, we don't have that day available, but the day before, I'll look and see if it comes available later. Oh, my birthday? Yep, your birthday. <laughs> I was looking at my calendar and I was like, oh, your birthday is right before our anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we had to buy those tickets and my mom's a little tad on money. So we like bought mm -hmm. basically a ticket for her too. Oh, that's nice. Well, yeah, we paid for most of it. Let's just say that. <laughs> okay. Did you guys just get tickets for one day or multiple days? No, we did the two day. Oh, okay. Two day, one park. We were originally going to do the just one day, one park. Mm -hmm. um, because on Thanksgiving, I think they're going to go to Disneyland. Aw. But we had told my brother like before COVID that we were going to take him for his birthday, and we never did. Because COVID <laughs> happened, and then we just never took him, and he's been really excited about it. But we were only planning to go to Disneyland, and he's like, psyched for um marvel's campus and oh yeah or the adventure campus and um like the spider-man ride mm -hmm. and so we were like fuck so <laughs> we told my mom and she was like i could only like put up this much and then we were like fuck okay we'll pay the rest that's nice of you 
Yeah. Also, sorry if you hear this loud-ass bike outside. It's like, people drive so douchey on this road, I swear to God. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear anything. But yeah, so oh. we basically, yeah, had to dip in yeah, and spend a bunch of money on our tickets. It's fun. It's going to be fun for me, you, Robert Alaris, for Christmas while unemployed. True. Can't wait. Can't be wait. Fucking... I know. Alaris is kind of stressing about that. She's like, fuck, bro. Because we were actually like planning to start buying presents now. Yep. But that went to down the drain because it's like... Uh... <laughs> I wish I was like a fucking artist. I could be like one of those people who just makes art and gives it to them. I could just make everyone like cards with stick figures. True. <laughs> like a child. <laughs> yeah. That's um the best kind of gift. Homemade stick figure card from an adult you, woman. You sh- you should look on <laughs> Pinterest for like homemade like. Oh, I'm pretty okay. sure there's there's some meaningful like little gifts you can give each of them. Yeah, I should do that. I know for my nieces at least I could be like, you guys get to have a sleepover in my apartment, and I'll be like, haha, that's your gift. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't know. <laughs> but yeah. All right, now we're dunsies. Yeah, nah, I think now we're dunsies. Okay, for real this time. For real. Alright, I'm just trying to decide what story to read first. Yes. Because I have, like, a bunch. Oh, okay. I'm excited. Okay, let's do this one. So, this one's called Julia Was a Clever Girl by Reddit user I Post at Midnight. Oh, I like their name. (laughs) Julia knew she was smart. She was one of those clever children, the kind of child who figures out early on that parents aren't all-powerful and all-knowing. The first time she realized this was when she got scared. There had been a noise in her room coming from under the bed or from the closet. Julia ran down the hall crying, Mommy, Daddy! What's wrong, honey? I heard a monster. Julia gobbled. That's a weird word. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Gobbled. She expected them to comfort her or roll their eyes or get annoyed. And said they jumped up immediately and raced to her bedroom, where they checked under her bed, inspected the closet, and tested the window lock. They poked, prodded, and scoured every inch. Julia caught on quickly. She knew what they were doing. By taking her fears seriously, they were showing their little girl that she was safe and loved. They had probably read about it in some book. (laughs) But the lesson Julia learned was that she had power. Thereafter, waking her parents became a nightly event. Julia would scream and cry, and they would rush into her bedroom, and Julia would hide her grin behind tears, but not once did they ever complain. One night, she could stand it no longer. She burst out laughing when Daddy fell down while examining the light fixture, as if a monster could fit up there. What's so funny, he asked, rubbing his backside. You, Julia smirked. You always believe me. Daddy wasn't angry. He just looked at Mommy. Once, he said quietly. Just once, we didn't believe your brother. And Julia, an only child, did not sleep well that night. Ew! (laughs) Nope. Nope. (laughs) Ew, gross. Yep. I was like, you'll tell (laughs) 
whenever you first said like they came to uh, investigate and they took it very seriously i was creeped out because i was like oh my god they thought something was there and then you said like the oh she thought this was to pretend to take it seriously i was like oh that's cute and then it was because they thought something was there mm-hmm. ew gross <laughs> all right mine is long okay i'm ready so yeah this is called psychosis and it is by damn creepy pasta has a lot of fucking ads when you're scrolling through their stories holy shit <laughs> <laughs> this is by matt demersky so sunday i'm not sure why i'm writing this down on paper and on my computer i guess i've just noticed some odd things it's not that i don't trust the computer i just need to organize my thoughts I need to get down all the details somewhere objective, somewhere I know that what I write can't be deleted or changed. Not that that's happened. It's just everything blurs together here, and the fog of memory lends a strange cast to things. I'm starting to feel cramped in this small apartment. Maybe that's the problem. I just had to go and choose the cheapest apartment, the only one in the basement. The lack of windows down here makes day and night seem to slip by seamlessly. I haven't been out in a few days because I've been working on this programming project so intensely. So intensively. I suppose I just want to get done. Hours of sitting and staring at a monitor can make anyone feel strange, I know, but I don't think that's it. I'm not sure when I first started to feel like something was odd. I can't even define what it is. Maybe I just haven't talked to anyone in a while. That's the first thing that crept up on me. Everyone I normally talk to online when I program has been idle or they've simply not logged on at all. My instant messages go unanswered. The last email I got from anybody was a friend saying he talked to me when he got back from the store, and that was yesterday. I'd called my cell phone, but reception's terrible down here. Yeah, that's it. I just need to call someone. I'm gonna go outside. Well, that didn't work so well. As the tingle of fear fades, I'm feeling a little ridiculous for being scared at all. I looked in the mirror before I went out, but I didn't shave the two-day stubble I've grown. I figured I was just going out for a quick cell phone call. I did change my shirt, though, because it was lunchtime, and I guessed that I'd run into at least one person I knew. That didn't end up happening. I wish it did. When I went out, I opened the door to my small apartment slowly. A small feeling of apprehension had somehow already lodged itself in me, for some indefinable reason. I chalked it up to having not spoken to anyone but myself for a day or two. I peered down the dingy gray hallway, made dingier by the fact that it was a basement hallway. On one end, a large metal door led to the building's furnace room. It was locked, of course. Two dreary soda machines stood by it. I bought a soda from one the first day I moved in, but had a two-year-old expiration date. I'm fairly sure nobody knows those machines are even down here, or my cheap landlady just doesn't care to get them restocked. I closed my door softly and walked the other direction, taking care not to make a sound. I have no idea why I chose to do that, but it was fun giving into the strange impulse not to break the droning hum of the soda machines, at least for the moment. I got to the stairwell and took the stairs up to the building's front door. I looked through the heavy door's small square window and received quite the shock. It was definitely not lunchtime. City gloom hung over the dark street outside, and the traffic lights at the intersection in the distance blinked yellow. Dim clouds, purple and black from the glow of the city, hung overhead. Nothing moved, save the few sidewalk trees that shifted in the wind. I remember shivering, though I wasn't cold. Maybe it was the wind outside. I could vaguely hear it through the heavy metal door, and I knew it was that unique kind of late-night wind, the kind that was constant, cold, and quiet, save for the rhythmic music it made as it passed through countless unseen tree leaves. 
I decided not to go outside. Instead, I lifted myself onto the door's little window and checked the signal meter. The bars filled up the meter and I smiled. Time to hear someone else's voice, I remember thinking, relieved. It was such a strange thing to be afraid of nothing. I shook my head, laughing at myself silently. I hit speed dial for my best friend Amy's number and held the phone up to my ear. It rang once, but then it stopped. Nothing happened. I listened to silence for a good 20 seconds, then hung up. I frowned and looked at the signal meter again, still full. I went to dial her number again, but then my phone rang in my hand, startling me. I put it up to my ear. Hello? I asked, immediately finding down a small shock at hearing the first spoken voice in days, even if it was my own. I had gotten used to the droning hum of the building's inner workings, my computer, and the soda machines in the hallway. There was no response to my greeting at first, but then finally a voice came. Hey, said a clear male voice, obviously of college age like me. Who's this? John, I replied, confused. Oh, sorry, wrong number, he replied, then hung up. I lowered the phone slowly and leaned against the thick brick wall of the stairwell. That was strange. I looked at my received calls list, but the number was unfamiliar. Before I could think on it further, the phone rang loudly, shocking me yet again. This time, I looked at the caller before I answered. It was another unfamiliar number. This time, I held the phone up to my ear but said nothing. I heard nothing but the general background noise of a phone. Then, a familiar voice broke my tension. John was the single word in Amy's voice. I breathed a sigh of relief. Hey, it's you, I replied. Who else would it be? She responded. Oh, the number. I'm at a party on 7th Street and my phone died just as you called me. This is someone else's phone, obviously. Oh, okay, I said. Where are you? She asked. My eyes glanced over the drab, whitewashed cylinder block walls and the heavy metal door with its small window. At my building, I sighed, just feeling cooped up. I didn't realize it was so late. You should come here, she said, laughing. Nah, I don't feel like looking for some strange place by myself in the middle of the night, I said, looking out the window at the silent, windy street that secretly scared me just a tiny bit. I think I'm just going to keep working or go to bed. Nonsense, she replied. I can come get you. Your building is close to 7th Street, right? How drunk are you? I said lightheartedly. You know where I live. Oh, of course, she said abruptly. I guess I can't get there by walking, huh? You could if you wanted to waste half an hour, I told her. Right, she said. Okay, have to go. Good luck with your work. I lowered the phone once more, looking at the numbers flash as the call ended. Then, the droning silence suddenly reasserted itself in my ears. The two strange calls in the eerie street outside just drove home my loneliness in this empty stairwell. Perhaps from having seen too many scary movies, I had the sudden, inexplicable idea that something could look in the door's window and see me. Some sort of horrible entity that hovered at the edge of loneliness, just waiting to creep up on unsuspecting people that strayed too far from other human beings. I knew the fear was irrational, but nobody else was around, so... I jumped on the stairs, ran down the hallway into my room, and closed the door as swiftly as I could while staying silent. Like I said, I feel a little ridiculous for being scared of nothing, and the fear has already faded. Writing this down helps a lot. It makes me realize that nothing is wrong. It filters out half-formed thoughts and fears and leaves only cold, hard facts. It's late. I got a call from a wrong number, and Amy's phone died, so she called me back from another number. Nothing strange is happening. Still, there was something a little off about that conversation. I know it could have just been the alcohol she'd had, or was it even her that seemed off to me? Or was it, yes, that's it, I didn't realize it until this moment writing these things down. I knew writing things down would help. She said she was at a party, but I only heard silence in the background. Of course, that doesn't mean anything in particular, as she could have just gone outside to make the call. No, that couldn't be it either. I didn't hear the wind. I need to see if the wind is still blowing. Monday. I forgot to finish writing last night. I'm not sure what I expected to see when I ran to the stairwell and looked out the heavy metal door's window, 
I'm feeling ridiculous. Last night's fear seems hazy and unreasonable to me now. I can't wait to go out into the sunlight. I'm going to check my email, shave, shower, and finally get out of here. Wait, I think I heard something. It was thunder. That whole sunlight and fresh air thing didn't happen. I went onto the stairwell and ended up on the stairs only to find disappointment. The heavy metal door's little window showed only flowing water as torrential rain slammed against it. Only a very dim, gloomy light filtered in through the rain, but at least I knew it was daytime, even if it was gray, sickly, wet day. I tried looking out the window and waiting for lightning to illuminate the glow, but the rain was too heavy and I couldn't make out anything more than the vague, weird shapes moving at odd angles and the waves crashing down against the window. Disappointed, I turned around, but I didn't want to go back to my room. Instead, I wandered further up to the stairs, past the first floor and the second. The stairs end at the third floor, the highest floor in the building. I looked through the glass that ran up the outer wall of the stairwell, but it was that warped, thick kind that scatters the light, not that there was much to see through the rain to begin with. I opened the stairwell door and wandered down the hallway. The ten or so thick wooden doors, painted blue a long time ago, were all closed. I listened as I walked, but it was the middle of the day, so I wasn't surprised I heard nothing but the rain outside. As I stood there in the dim hallway, listening to the rain, I had the strange fleeting impression that the doors were standing like silent granite monoliths erected by some ancient forgotten civilization for some unfathomable guardian purpose. Lightning flashed, and I could have sworn that, for just a moment, the old grainy blue wood looked just like rough stone. I laughed at myself for letting my imagination get the best of me, but then it occurred to me that the dim glow of lightning must mean there was a window somewhere in the hallway. A vague memory surfaced, and I suddenly recalled that the third floor had an alcove and an inset window halfway down the floor's hallway. Excited to look out into the rain and possibly see another human being, I quickly walked over to the alcove, finding the large, thin glass window. Rain washed down it, as with the front door's window, but I could open this one. I reached a hand out to slide it open, but hesitated. I had the strangest feeling that if I opened that window, I would see something absolutely horrifying on the other side. Everything's been so odd lately. So I came with a plan, and I came back here to get what I needed. I don't seriously think anything will come of it, but I'm bored, it's raining, and I'm going stir-crazy. I came back to get my webcam. The cord isn't long enough to reach the third floor by any means, so instead I'm going to hide it between the two soda machines in the dark end of my basement hallway, run the wire along the wall and under my door, and put black duct tape all over the wire to blend in with a black plastic strip that runs along the base of the hallway's walls. I know this is silly, but I don't have anything better to do. Well, nothing happened. I propped open the hallway to stairwell door, steeled myself, then flung the heavy front door wide open and ran like hell down the stairs to my room and slammed the door. I watched the webcam on my computer intently, seeing the hallway outside of my door and most of the stairwell. I'm watching it right now and I don't see anything interesting. I just wish the camera's position was different so I could see out the front door. Hey, someone's online. I got out an older, less functional webcam that I had in my closet to video chat with my friend online. I couldn't really explain to him why I wanted to video chat, but it felt good to see another person's face. He couldn't talk very long, and we didn't talk about anything meaningful, but I feel much better. My strange fear has almost passed. I would feel completely better, but there was something odd about our conversation. I know that I've said that everything has seemed odd, but still. He was very vague in his responses. I can't recall one specific thing that he said. No particular name, or place, or event. But he did ask for my email address to keep in touch. Oh wait, I just got an email. I'm about to go out. I just got an email from Amy that asked me to meet her for dinner at the place we usually go to. I do love pizza, and I've just been eating random food from my poorly stocked fridge for days, so I can't wait. Again, I feel ridiculous about the odd couple of days I've been having. I should destroy this journal when I get back. Oh, another email. Oh my god. 
I almost left the email and opened the door. I almost opened the door. I almost opened the door, but I read the email first. It was from a friend I haven't heard from in a long time, and it was sent to a huge number of emails that must have been every person he had saved in his address list. It had no subject, and it simply said, Seen with your own eyes, don't trust them, they. What the hell is that supposed to mean? The words shock me, and I keep going over and over them. Is it a desperate email sent just as something happened? The words are obviously cut off without finishing. On any other day, I would dismiss this as spam from a computer virus or something, but the words, seen with your own eyes. I can't help but read over this journal, think back over the last few days, and realize that I have not seen another person with my own eyes or talked to another person face to face. The webcam conversation with my friend was so strange, so vague, so eerie now that I think about it. Was it eerie, or is the fear clouding my memory? My mind toys with the progression of events I've written here, pointing out that I have not been presented with one single fact I did not specifically give out unsuspectingly. The random wrong number that got my name and the subsequent strange return call from Amy, the friend that asked for my email address. I messaged him first when I saw him online. And then I got my first email a few minutes after that conversation. Oh my god, that phone call with Amy. I said over the phone, I said that was within half an hour's walk of 7th Street. They know I'm near there. What if they're going to find me? Where's everyone else? Why haven't I seen or heard anyone in days? No, no, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. I need to calm down. This madness needs to end. I don't know what to think. I ran about my apartment furiously, holding myself up to every corner to see if I could get a signal through the heavy walls. Finally, in the tiny bathroom near one ceiling corner, I got a single bar. Holding my phone there, I sent a text message to every number on my list. Not wanting to betray anything about my unfounded fears, I simply sent, You seen anyone face-to-face lately? At that point, I just wanted any reply back. I didn't care what the reply was or if I embarrassed myself. I tried to call someone a few times, but I couldn't get my head up high enough, and if I brought myself down even an inch, it lost signal. Then I remembered the computer and rushed over to it, instant messaging everyone online. Most were idle or away from their computer. Nobody responded. My messages grew more frantic, and I started telling people where I was and just stopped by in person for hosts of barely passable reasons. I didn't care about anything by that point. I just needed to see another person. I also tore apart my apartment looking for something that I might have missed, some way to contact another human being without opening the door. I know it's crazy. I know it's unfounded. But what if? What if? I just need to be sure. I taped the phone to the ceiling in case. Tuesday. The phone rang. Exhausted from last night's rampage, I must have fallen asleep. I woke up to the phone ringing and ran to the bathroom, stood on the toilet, and flipped open the phone taped to the ceiling. It was Amy, and I feel so much better. She was really worried about me, and apparently had been trying to contact me since the last time I talked to her. She's coming over now, and yes, she knows where I am without me telling her. I feel so embarrassed. I'm definitely throwing this journal away before anyone sees it. I don't even know why I'm writing in it now. Maybe it's just because it's the only communication I've had at all since God knows when. I look like hell, too. I looked in the mirror before I came back in here. My eyes are sunken, my stubble is thicker, and I just look generally unhealthy. My apartment is trash, but I'm not going to clean it up. I think I need someone else to see what I've been through. These past few days have not been normal. I am not one to imagine things. I know I've been the victim of extreme probability. I probably missed seeing another person a dozen times. I just happened to go out when it was late at night or the middle of the day when everyone was gone. Everything's perfectly fine. I know this now. Plus, I found something in the closet last night that helped me tremendously. A television. I set it up just before I wrote this and it's on in the background. Television has always been an escape for me. It reminds me that there's a world beyond these dingy brick walls. I'm glad Amy's the only one who responded to me after last night's frantic pestering of everyone I could contact. 
She's been my best friend for years. She doesn't know it, but I count the day that I met her among one of the few moments of true happiness in my life. I remember that warm summer day fondly. It seems a different reality from this dark, rainy, lonely place. I feel like I spent days sitting in that playground, much too old to play, just talking with her and hanging around doing nothing at all. I still feel like I can go back to that moment sometimes. It reminds me that this damn place is not all that there is. Finally, a knock on the door. I thought it was odd that I couldn't see her through the camera I hid between the two soda machines. I figured that was bad positioning, like when I couldn't see out the front door. I should have known. I should have known. After the knock, I yelled through the door jokingly that I had a camera between the soda machines because I was embarrassed myself that I had taken this paranoia so far. After I did that, I saw her image walk over to the camera and look down at it. She smiled and waved. Hey, she said to the camera brightly, giving it a wry look. It's weird, I know, I said to the mic attached to the camera. I've had a weird few days. Must have, she replied. Open the door, John. I hesitated. How could I be sure? Hey, humor me a second here, I told her through the mic. Tell me one thing about us. Just prove to me you're you. She gave the camera a weird look. Um, alright, she said slowly thinking. We met randomly at a playground and we were both way too old to be there. I sighed deeply as reality returned and fear faded. God, I'd been so ridiculous. Of course it was Amy. That day wasn't anywhere in the world except my memory. I'd never even mentioned it to anyone, not out of embarrassment, but out of a strange secret nostalgia and a longing for those days to return. If there was some unknown force that were trying to trick me, as I feared, there was no way they could have known about that day. Uh, All right, I'll explain everything, I told her. Be right there. I ran to my small bathroom and fixed my hair as best as I could. I looked like hell, but she would understand. Snickering at my own unbelievable behavior and the mess I'd made of the place, I walked to the door. I put my hand on the doorknob and gave the mess one last look. So ridiculous, I thought. My eyes traced over the half-eaten food lying on the ground, the overflowing trash bin, and the bed I tipped to the side looking for God knows what. I almost turned to the door and opened it, but my eyes fell on one last thing. The old webcam, the one I used for that eerily vacant chat with my friend. Its silent black sphere lay haphazardly tossed to the side, its lens pointed at the table where this journal lay. An overwhelming terror took me as I realized that if something could see through that camera, it would have seen what I just wrote about that day. I asked her for any one thing about us, and she chose the only thing in the world that I thought they or it did not know. But it did. It did know. It could have been watching me the whole time. I didn't open the door. I screamed. I screamed an uncontrollable tear. I stomped on the old webcam on the floor. The door shook, and the doorknob tried to turn, but I didn't hear Amy's voice through the door. Was the basement door made to keep out drafts too thick? Or was Amy not outside? What could have been trying to get in if not her? What the hell is out there? I saw my computer through the camera outside. I heard her on the speakers through the camera outside, but was it real? How can I know? She's gone now. I screamed and shouted for help. I piled up everything in my apartment against the front door. Friday. At least, I think that's Friday. I broke everything electronic. I smashed my computer to pieces. Every single thing on there could have been accessed by network access or worse, altered. I'm a programmer. I know. Every little piece of information I gave out since it started, my name, my email, my location, none of it came back from outside until I gave it out. I've been going over and over what I wrote. I've been pacing back and forth, alternating between stark tear and overpowering disbelief. Sometimes I'm absolutely certain some phantom entity is dead set on the simple goal of getting me to go outside. Back to the beginning with the phone call from Amy, she was effectively asking me to open the door and go outside. I kept running it through my head. One point of view says I've acted like a madman, and all this is extremely convergence of probability, never going outside at the right times by pure luck, never seeing another person by pure chance, giving a random nonsense email from some computer virus at just the right time. 
The other point of view says that the extreme convergence of probability is the reason that whatever's out there hasn't gotten me already. I keep thinking, I never open the window on the third floor. I never open the front door until that incredibly stupid stunt with a hidden camera, after which I ran straight to my room and slammed the door. I haven't opened my own saw door since I flung open the front door of the building. Whatever's out there, if anything's out there, never made an appearance in the building before I opened the front door. Maybe the reason it wasn't in the building already was that it was somewhere else getting everyone else. And then it waited until I betrayed my existence by trying to call Amy. A call which didn't work until it called me and asked me my name. Terror literally overwhelms me every time I try to fit the pieces of this nightmare together. That email, short, cut off, was it from someone trying to get word out? Some friendly voice desperately trying to warn me before it came? Seen with my own eyes, don't trust them. Exactly what I've been so suspicious of. It could have been masterful control of things electronic, practicing its insidious deception to trick me into coming outside. Why can't it get in? It knocked on the door. It must have some solid presence. The door. The image of those doors in the upper hallway as guardian monoliths flashes back in my mind every time I trace this path of thoughts. If there is some phantom entity trying to get me to go outside, maybe it can't get through doors. I keep thinking back over all the books I've read or movies I've seen, trying to generate some explanation for this. Doors have always been such an intense foci of human imagination, always seen as wards or portals of special importance. Or perhaps the door is just too thick? I know that I couldn't bash through any of the doors in this building, let alone the heavy basement one. Aside from that, the real question is, why does it even want me? If it just wanted to kill me, it could do it any number of ways, including just waiting until I starve to death. What if it doesn't want to kill me? What if it has something far more horrific fate in store for me? God, what can I do to escape this nightmare? A knock on the door. I told the people on the other side of the door, I need a minute to think and I'll come out. I'm really just writing this down so I can figure out what to do. At least this time I heard their voices. My paranoia, and yes, I recognize I'm being paranoid, has me thinking of all sorts of ways that the voices could be faked electronically. There could be nothing but speakers outside, simulating human voices. Did it really take them three days to come talk to me? Amy is supposedly out there, along with two policemen and a psychiatrist. Maybe it took them three days to think about what to say to me. Psychiatrist claim could be pretty convincing if I decided to think this has all been a crazy misunderstanding and not some entity trying to trick me to opening the door. The psychiatrist had an older voice, authoritarian but still caring. I liked it. I'm desperate just to see someone with my own eyes. He said I have something called cyberpsychosis and I'm just one of a nationwide epidemic of thousands of people having breakdowns triggered by a suggestive email that got through somehow. I swear he said got through somehow. I think he means spread through the entire country and explicitly, but I'm incredibly suspicious that the entity slipped up and revealed something. He said that I'm part of a wave of emergent behavior, that a lot of other people are having the same problem with the same fears, even though we've never communicated. That neatly explains the strange email about eyes I got. I didn't get the original triggering email, I got a descendant of it. My friend could have broken down too and tried to warn everyone he knew against his paranoid fears. That's how the problem spreads, the psychiatric claims. I could have spread it too, with my text and instant messaging online to everyone I know. One of those people might be melted down right now after being triggered by something I sent them. Something they might interpret any way they want. Something like a tech saying, have you seen anyone face-to-face lately? The psychiatrist told me that he didn't want to lose one another. That people like me are intelligent, and that's our downfall. We draw connections so well that we draw them even when they shouldn't be there. He said it's easy to get caught up in paranoia in our fast-paced world, a constantly changing place where more and more of our interaction is simulated. 
I have to give him one thing. It's a great explanation. It neatly explains everything. It perfectly explains everything, in fact. I have every reason to shake off this nightmarish fear that something or consciousness or being out there wants me to open the door so it can capture me for some horrible fate worse than death. It'd be foolish, after hearing the explanation, to stay in here until I starve to death just to spite the entity that might have got everyone else. It'd be foolish to think that, after hearing the explanation, I might be one of the last people left alive on an empty world, hiding in my secure basement room, spiting some unthinkable, deceptive entity just by refusing to be captured. It's a perfect explanation for every single strange thing I've seen or heard, and I have every reason in the world to let all of my fears go and open the door. That's exactly what I'm not going to. How can I be sure? How can I know what's real and what's deception? All these damn things with their wires and their signals that originate from some unseen origin, they're not real. I can't be sure. Signals through a camera, faked video, deceptive phone calls, emails, even the television lying broken on the floor. How can I possibly know it's real? It's just signals, waves, lights. The door. It's bashing on the door. It's trying to get in. What insane mechanical contrivance could it be using to simulate the sound of men attacking the heavy wood so well? At least I'll finally see with my own eyes. There's nothing left in here for it to deceive me with. I've ripped apart everything else. It can't deceive my eyes, can it? Seen with your own eyes, don't trust them, they... Wait, was that desperate message telling me to trust my eyes or warning me about my eyes, too? Oh my god, what's the difference between a camera and my eyes? They both turn light into electronic signals. They're the same. I can't be deceived. I have to be sure. I have to be sure. Date unknown. I calmly asked for paper and a pen, day in and day out, until it finally gave them to me. Not that it matters. What am I going to do? Poke my eyes out? The bandages feel like a part of me now. The pain is gone. I figure this will be one of my last chances to write legibly, as, without my sight to correct my mistakes, my hands will slowly forget the motions involved. This is a sort of self-indulgence, this writing. It's a relic of another time, because I'm certain everyone left in the world is dead, or something far worse. I sit against the padded wall, day in and day out. The entity brings me food and water. It masks itself as a nurse, as an unsympathetic doctor. I think it knows that my hearing is sharpened considerably now that I live in darkness. It fakes conversations in the hallway, on the off chance that I might overhear. One of the nurses talks about having a baby soon. One of the doctors lost his wife in a car accident. None of it matters. None of it's real. None of it gets to me. Not like she does. That's the worst part, the part I almost can't handle. The thing comes to me, masquerading as Amy. Its recreation is perfect. It sounds exactly like Amy, feels exactly like her. It even produces a reasonable facsimile of tears that it makes me feel in its lifelike cheeks. When it first dragged me here, it told me all the things I wanted to hear. It told me that she loved me, that she'd always loved me, that it didn't understand why I did this, that we could still have a life together if only I would stop insisting that I was being deceived. It wanted me to believe. No, it needed me to believe that she was real. I almost fell for it. I really did. I doubted myself for the longest time. In the end, though, it was all too perfect, too flawless, and too real. The false Amy used to come every day, and then every week, and finally stopped coming altogether. But I don't think the entity will give up. I think the waiting game is just another one of its gambits. I will resist it for the rest of my life if I have to. I don't know what happened to the rest of the world, but I do know that this thing needs me to fall for its deceptions. If it needs that, then maybe, just maybe, I'm a thorn in its agenda. Maybe Amy is still alive out there somewhere, kept alive only by my will to resist the deceiver. I hold on to that hope, rocking back and forth in my cell to pass the time. I will never give in. I will never break. I am a hero. The doctor read the paper the patient had scribbled on. It was barely readable, written in the shaky script of one who could not see. 
He wanted to smile at the man's steadfast resolve, a reminder of the human will to survive, but he knew that the patient was completely delusional. After all, a sane man would have fallen for the deception long ago. The doctor wanted to smile. He wanted to whisper words of encouragement to the delusional man. He wanted to scream, but the nerve filaments wrapped around his head and into his eyes made him do otherwise. His body walked into the cell like a puppet and told the patient once more that he was wrong and there was nobody trying to deceive him. The end. Let's I like it because it takes you on a roller coaster because you're like, oh my god, they're trying to trick him. Then it's like, oh no, he was just crazy. And then it's like, oh my god, no, they were trying to trick him. <laughs> That's crazy. I know. I like Definitely that. interesting. Yeah. Sorry that was so insanely long. <laughs> That's all right. It was entertaining. Sorry for yawning. It's okay. And also, another sorry. Let's just top it off because uh, I started getting a phone call in the middle, but I needed it. <laughs> oh, did you? I didn't hear it. Okay, good. I didn't realize my volume was on because it was on so low and then I heard like, do, 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 do. And I was like, ah. <laughs> You're like, ah, oh, shit. Fuck. Yeah. That was the longest of my stories. Don't worry. The other ones are definitely shorter. <laughs> Cute. All right. This one is titled 3 a.m. Okay. But it doesn't say from who. It's just um, 3 a.m. stories from Tumblr. Oh, cool. <laughs> My cousin recently moved here from Secunderabad, India. I probably mispronounced that. I'm sorry. <laughs> On a recent road trip exploring America, we were shooting shit and exchanging ghost stories and laughing at similarities and differences between American ghost stories and Indian ghost stories. When I asked her if she'd ever experienced anything supernatural, her eyes widened and as she averted her eyes to the window. Just when the silence was about to be too much for me, she softly responded, Yes, a few. One is troubling. When I was a second year in college, I stayed at an all-girl hostel. I made many friends. We were all very happy to be in school, away from our conservative parents. The hostel was so much fun. It was a very, very old building. Electricity was only put into the rooms. Sometimes candles were placed along the windows if a watchman was present. But normally, once you left the rooms, you were faced with complete darkness. It's common to wake someone if you needed to walk down to the restroom at the end of the hall. We all had a childish fear of being alone in the dark. One night, I had to use the restroom. It was about 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. I went to my friend's bed and tapped her on her arm. She immediately opened her eyes as soon as I touched her. I apologized for bothering her and told her I needed to pee. She smiled at me and hopped out of bed. All the way down the hallway, she laughed and danced. I could not see her at all, but her bangles clinked together loudly and the bells on her ankles jingled softly. I'm guessing it's like, I don't know. It's like like more jewelry? Yeah. Like, was she all dressed up? For this bathroom trip? <laughs> I, I don't know. It was very calming. I laughed and shashayed my hips down the hallway with her. Too tired to match, match elaborate arm movements. She said nothing to me, though occasionally I heard her hum 
one of our favorite Bollywood songs. The same thing happened on our return. I fell back asleep easily. I awoke fairly late the next morning to the sound of men in our room. They surrounded her bed. I bolted from my bed, prepared to protect my friend, when I realized they were administrators to the college. I peered over closer. My friend's lifeless eyes were fixated on my bed. The same smile on her face. Suicide. Her time of death was 11.30 p.m. Almost five hours before I woke her. Ew. (laughs) Why? I don't know. Ew. Scary. So creepy. (laughs) I mean, her ghost followed her. I mean, I guess it's like wholesome in a way. She was like going with her friend, but ew. Um, Are you ready to hear about Ikbar Bidjelstein? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to every time I have to say this, but this um, was written by Stephen D. Harris on Creepypasta. Okay. When I was a small child, I was terrified of the dark. I still am, but back when I was around six years old, I couldn't go a full night without crying out for one of my parents to search beneath my bed or in my closet for whatever monster I thought was waiting to eat me. Even with the nightlight, I would still see dark shapes moving around the corners of the room, or strange faces looking at me from my bedroom window. My parents would do their best to console me, telling me that it was just a bad dream or a trick of the light, but in my young mind, I was positive that the second I fell asleep, the bad things would get me. Most of the time, I would just hide under the blankets until I became tired enough to stop worrying, but every now and then, I would become so panicked that I would run screaming into my parents' room, waking up my brother and sister in the process. After an ordeal like that, there would be in no way anyone would be getting a full night's rest. Eventually, after one particularly traumatizing night, my parents had enough. Unfortunately for them, they understood the futility in arguing with a six-year-old and knew they'd be unable to convince me to rid myself of childish fears through reason and logic. They had to be clever. It was my mother's idea to stitch together my little bedtime friend. She collected a large assortment of random pieces of fabric in her sewing machine and created what I would later refer to as Mr. Ikbar Bigelstein. Bigel, I don't know. Or Ick for short. <laughs> Ick was a sock monster, as my mother called him. He was made to keep me safe while I slept at night by scaring away all the other monsters. He was pretty damn creepy, I had to admit. Honestly, looking back at it now, I'm still impressed that my mom could think of something so strange and disturbing looking. Ikbar had that stitched-together look of a Frankenstein gremlin with big white button eyes and floppy cat ears. His little arms and legs were made from a pair of my sister's black and white striped socks, and the half of his face that was green was made from one of my brother's tall football socks. His head could have been described as bulbous, and for his mouth, my mom attached a piece of white fabric and sewed it in a jigsaw pattern to shape a wide grin of sharp teeth. I loved him at once. Well. I, I know. I'm like, okay. <laughs> From then on, Ick never left my side. So long as it was after dusk, of course. Ick didn't like the sun and would get upset if I tried to bring him to school with me. But that was okay. I only needed him at night to keep away the boogeyman, which is what he was good at. So every night at bedtime, Ick would tell me where the monsters were hiding, and I would place him near the section of my room closest to the spookiness. If there was something in the closet, Ick would block the door. If there was a dark creature scratching at my window, it would be pressed up against the glass. If there was a big hairy beast under my bed, then under the bed he went. Sometimes the monsters weren't even in my room. Sometimes they would hide in my dreams, and Ikbar would have to come with me into my nightmares. 
It was fun bringing Ick into my dream world, as he and I would spend hours fighting off ghouls and demons. The best part was in my dreams, it could talk to me for real. How much do you love me? He would ask. More than anything, I would always tell him. One night in a dream, after I'd lost my first tooth, Ick asked me to do a favor. Can I have your tooth? I asked him why. To help me kill the bad things, he said. The next morning at breakfast, my mom asked me where my tooth went. From what she told me, the tooth fairy didn't find it in my pillow. When a tour that gave it to Ikbar, she just shrugged and went back to feeding my little sister. From then on, every time I lost a tooth, I would give it to Ick. He would always thank me, of course, and tell me that he loved me. Eventually, though, I ran out of baby teeth, and I was beginning to get a little too old to still be playing with dolls. So Ick just sat there on the bookshelf collecting dust, slowly fading away from my attention. Over time, the nightmares, however, became worse than ever. So bad that they even began to follow me to the waking world, terrorizing every dark corner or rustle in the bushes. After one particularly bad night biking home from a friend's house, where I swore a pack of rabid dogs were chasing me, I got home to find something strange waiting for me in my room. There, on my bed, standing fully upright in the soft glow of the moon light from my window, was Ikbar. At first, I just thought my eyes were playing tricks on me again. They had been all evening. So I tried to flick on the lights. Another flick of the light switch. And then another, and another, with no change to the darkness. It was then that I started to get nervous. I backed away slowly towards the door behind me, my eyes never leaving the shape of Ick's silhouette, my hand awkwardly outstretched behind reaching for the doorknob. I was just about to get my ass out of there when I heard the door slam itself shut, locking me in the blackness. In nothing but shadows and silence, I stood frozen in place, not even breathing. For how long I can't say, but after what felt like a lifetime of cold fear, I heard the shrill, familiar voice. You stopped feeding me, so why should I protect you? Protect me from what? Let me show you. I blinked once and everything changed. I wasn't in my bedroom anymore. I was somewhere else. It wasn't hell, but the comparison wasn't far off. It was some sort of forest, a horrible, nightmarish place where partial embryonic abortions hung from the canopy and the ground swarmed with carnivorous insects. A thick fog wafted through the air and with it the stench of rotting meat while chartreuse lightning flashed across the night sky. In the distance, I could hear the agonizing screams of something not quite human. My head throbbed like it was about to explode, the pain forcing out a river of tears. In my mind, I heard his voice again. This is what your reality would become without me. I felt earth-shaking footsteps approaching fast. I'm the only one who can stop it. It was behind me now, huge and angry, hot breath across my back. Bring me what I need and I will. I woke up before I could turn around. The following day, I raided my parents' closets for my brother's baby teeth, giving them all to Ikbar. Almost immediately, the night terror ceased, and I was more or less able to go on about my life as normal. From time to time, I'd have to sneak into my little sister's room and snatch what was meant for the tooth fairy, or strangle one of the neighborhood cats to pry out sharp little incisors. Anything to ward off the visions. Anything from a shark tooth necklace to a cavity ridden by stupid, or by suspid, a cavity ridden tooth. <laughs> I also began to notice that Ick would move about my room whenever I left for any length of time, re rearranging my stuff and hanging additional curtains. He was even beginning to look more lifelike somehow. In the right light, his teeth would glisten, and he was warm to the touch. As much as he creeped me out, I couldn't work up the courage to destroy him, knowing perfectly well where that would leave me. So I went on collecting teeth for Ick throughout all of high school and college. The older I got, the more things I would learn to fear, the more teeth Ick would need to keep me safe. I'm 22 years old now, with a decent job, my own apartment, and a set of dentures. 
It's been almost a month since X last meal. <laughs> you just got that one? Yes. <laughs> God damn, he ripped out his own teeth. Uh-huh. It's been almost a month since X last meal, and the horrors are starting to crowd around me once again. I took a detour through a parking garage after work tonight. Found a man fumbling with his car keys. His teeth were stained yellow from a lifetime of cigarettes and coffee. Even still, I had to use a hammer to get out the molars. When I got back to my apartment, he was waiting for me. On the ceiling, in the corner, two white eyes and a mouth of razors. How much do you love me, he asked. More than anything, I replied, taking off my coat. More than anything in the world. What the fuck? <laughs> and that is my story on Ickbar Vigil Stein. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Gross. That's, that's creepy. <laughs> Why teeth? Why did he need all these teeth? What was that about? Mm-hmm. Can I eat him or something? I don't know, but that's weird as hell. <laughs> I'm ready for your third story. Alright, this one's trippy. Okay. It is titled Falling. We've all felt it. You're up late, working, studying, watching a movie, reading on the computer. Doesn't matter what you're doing. It's the feeling you get. You're tired, your eyes burn, and have the gritty feeling you get after not sleeping for a while. Okay, you can't go crawl into bed right now, but you close your eyes for a couple minutes, try to get a little moisture back into your eyes. That couldn't hurt anything, right? Then you're falling, like stepping off a cliff. You're in free fall, till your body isn't moving. Then, like a bungee cord snapping back, you're jerking awake, heart thumping a little faster, blinking quickly, wondering what just happened. Doctors call it a hip, hypnagogic jerk. I think that's how you say it. Okay. A natural reaction, they say, to your brain thinking you're dying when you're breathing and your heart rate slow as you fall asleep. What the doctors don't know is, your brain is right. Every time you let yourself nod off, every time you feel that falling sensation, you're not falling. You're being pulled down. And one day, your brain won't be able to pull you back up. They will have you. Ew. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I'm just never going to sleep again. It's fine. <laughs> You were saying it, and I was like, oh, yeah, like, when you're falling, and you're like, look. And I'm like, oh, when you're being pulled, cool, 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 cool. That's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, thank. So I think this is going to be my last one, because all the other ones I found are too long. <laughs> okay. But this one is called Gateway of the Mind, and there's no one to credit you. It was by an anonymous user. Mm. In 1983, a team of deeply pious scientists conducted a radical experiment in an undeclosed facility. The scientists had theorized that a human without access to any senses or ways to perceive stimuli would be able to perceive the presence of God. They believed that the five senses clouded our awareness of eternity, and without them, a human could actually establish contact with God by thought. An elderly man who claimed to have nothing left to live for was the only test subject to volunteer. To purge him of all of his senses, the scientists performed a complex operation in which every sensory nerve connection to the brain was surgically severed. Although the test subject retained full muscular function, he could not see, hear, 
taste, smell, or feel. With no possible way to communicate with or even sense the outside world, he was alone with his thoughts. The scientist monitored him as he spoke aloud about his state of mind in jumbled, slurred sentences that he couldn't even hear. After four days, the man claimed to be hearing hushed, intelligible voices in his head. Assuming it was an onset of psychosis, the scientist paid little attention to the man's concerns. Two days later, the man cried that he could hear his dead wife speaking with him, and even more, he could communicate back. The scientists were intrigued, but were not convinced until the subject started naming dead relatives of the scientists. He repeated personal information to the scientists that only their dead spouses or parents would have known. At this point, a sizable portion of the scientists left the study. After a week of conversing with the deceased through his thoughts, the subject became distressed, saying the voices were overwhelming. In every waking moment, his consciousness was bombarded by hundreds of voices that refused to leave him alone. He frequently threw himself against the wall, trying to elicit a pain response. He begged the scientist for sedatives so he could escape the voices by sleeping. This tactic worked for three days until he started having severe night terrors. Subject repeatedly said that he could see and hear the deceased in his dreams. Only a day later, the subject began to scream and claw as non-functional eyes, hoping to sense something in the physical world. The hysterical subject now said the voices of the dead were deafening and hostile, speaking of hell and the end of the world. At one point, he yelled, no heaven, no forgiveness, for five hours straight. He continually begged to be killed, but the scientists were convinced that he was close to establishing contact with God. After another day, the subject could no longer form coherent sentences. Seemingly mad, he started to bite off chunks of flesh from his arm. The scientists rushed into the test chamber and restrained him to a table so he could not kill himself. After a few hours of being tied down, the subject halted his struggling and screaming. He stared blankly at the ceiling as teardrops silently streaked across his face. For two weeks, the subject had to be manually rehydrated due to the constant crying. Eventually, he turned his head and, despite his blindness, made focused eye contact with the scientist for the first time in the study. He whispered, I have spoken with God, and he has abandoned us, and his vital signs stopped. There was no apparent cause of death. That's it. <laughs> that one reminded me of the one I did a few episodes ago, the Russian sleep experiment. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I that thought about. Yeah, I was thinking it was going to be like kind of doing the same thing, but it did take a different turn. <laughs> I have one. Like okay, cool. Similar, like it's a ooh. Well, not similar. It's like there's a twist. It's, okay, it's, it's interesting. No spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> so this one is from Pinterest as well. It's titled "Father Learns That His Daughter Can Predict the Future." What follows next is shocking. Ooh. <laughs> A father puts his three-year-old daughter to bed, told her a story, and listened to her say her prayers, which ended by saying, God bless mommy, God bless daddy, God bless grandma, and goodbye grandpa. Father said, why did you say goodbye grandpa? The little girl said, I don't know daddy, it just seemed like the thing to do. The next day, grandpa died. Father thought it was a strange coincidence. A few months later, the father put the girl to bed and listened to her prayers, which went like this. God bless mommy, God bless daddy, and goodbye grandma. The next day, the grandmother died. My gosh, thought the father. This kid is in contact with the other side. 
Several weeks later, when the girl was going to bed, the dad heard her say, God bless mommy, and goodbye daddy. No. He practically went into shock. He couldn't sleep at all, all night, and got up at the crack of dawn to go to his office. He was nervous as a cat all day, had lunch sent in, and watched the clock. He figured if he could get by until midnight, he would be okay. He felt safe in his office, so instead of going home at the end of the day, he stayed there, drinking coffee, looking at his watch, and jumping at every sound. Finally, midnight arrived. He breathed a sign of relief and went home. When he went home, his wife said, I've never seen you work so late. What's the matter? He said, I don't want to talk about it. I've just spent the worst day of my life. She said, you think you had a bad day. You'll never believe what happened to me. This morning, the mailman dropped dead on our porch. Stop it. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> like, yo, poor guy. That's fucking funny. I oh, thought it was going to take a creepier turn and like, I don't know, like his daughter and wife died while he was at work or something, but it was a funny one. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, it was more funny. That's hella funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you said you had no more, huh? Yeah, I have no more. Did you have any more you wanted to share? Yeah. Let's do this oh. one. It was creepy and it's short. All right. Last one. So this one's titled The Town With No Name. It was posted by you slash rock paper cynic on Reddit. That's a fine name. Yeah. <laughs> so The Town With No Name. All three of us were silent as we drove past the blank Welcome to sign into the town with no name. The people all watched us with the same slack expression, their heads tilted at identical angles as if listening to a single far-off sound. For a moment, I heard it too. For a moment, the people in the car seemed like strangers, and I couldn't remember who we were or where we were going, but then we passed the last house and it came back. We were all old friends, all traveling together, all safe, all four of us. Wait. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Sus. <laughs> yep, creepy. I was like, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> Somebody joined them. Yikes, gross. I know, I almost didn't even realize. I was just like, what next? <laughs> yeah, I see. It took me. I had to like read it again before I understood. You're like, I, I don't was like, get it. Yeah, I was like, I don't get it. And then I like read it again, and I was like, oh, in the beginning, it's three of them, and then I know they go through the town. last line. Yeah, I was like, what? Up, I didn't even realize. I was just kind of like staring at the screen and nothing, <laughs> and I was waiting for you to continue. And then I was like, how many did you say? <laughs> no, it was really short. That's hella funny. Not funny, but funny that I didn't yeah. <laughs> get it. <laughs> I was like, that's what like, a funny story. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Ew, gross. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it for this episode. Do you have anything else to add, Anakin? Mm, no. Okay. Well, if anyone would like to email us any of your stories or say hi, our email is thespookyshit.pod at gmail.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are spooky shit underscore pod, and our website is spooky shit dash pod.com. Thank you all, as always, for listening, and yeah, we will catch you next week. Goodbye. Bye.
I will. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever.